This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 196, recorded on December 18th, 2014. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home, news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska. And, of course, we post the show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course, you can always contact me. Send me an email, jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can find me on Twitter just at Jay Collison, and uh, some of you have found me out there as well. And now you can call in those questions. In just a second, we're going to hear from Phil, who called in a question. And it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting that I would have Brian on the show, and we'll find out why here in just a second. But call it in, 402-478-8450. Again, 402-478-8450. And we'll play that question right here on the program. And now Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. You can find the links to this show and many other great podcasts out of the Geeks Network. That's just the Geeks Network. Dot com. And actually, Dave told me the other day he just got geeksnetwork.com as well. So I don't know if that's working yet, but you can try that if you'd like. Join us in chat. Watch or listen live on YouTube, Spreaker, or Mixler and find all the navigation and all the subscription links, including our Amazon affiliate link as well, out at theaverageguy.tv. All right. Well, I mentioned uh, we have a special guest tonight, and uh, and Brian is no stranger to the network. He was hanging out with Dave McKay back in July on Surface Geeks, uh, but I met him for the first time at the MVP Summit in November. And so, Brian, great to have you on the program. Thanks a lot, Jim. Let's take a second before we play a call in. So uh, the reason the call is significant is because it asks a question about the Surface. It's a listener from Home Gadget Geeks. He knows I now have a Surface. You're a Surface MVP for Microsoft. Correct. Tell tell me a little bit real quick. Let's get to know you, find out where you're from, what you do, those kinds of things. How about a little Okay, so uh, originally from uh, Brooklyn, New York, and uh, now living in the northwest part of New Jersey, actually pretty close to the Pennsylvania border. Um, uh, My professional training is a little um, at odds with what I do, but I uh, was trained as a uh, child and school psychologist, worked for many years in the public schools, working with kids with disabilities, but probably over 30 years ago, I had gone to a um, conference that dealt with technology and special needs students and what we called assistive technology. And you, you can imagine what it was like back then over 30 years ago. Is basically we had the Apple IIe and we had ribbon cables and, you know, some really clunky stuff. But I was just, it was one of those things I was smitten uh, from the moment I saw it. And so, and I sort of knew in my heart and that, you know, that if we were going to, if I was going to work with kids with special needs, um, with disabilities, that technology would be that um, that tool that would level the playing field for them. And so at that point, I just started to go to every possible conference lecture I can go to because there really were no graduate programs. Uh, and, and so uh, I basically created my own professional learning community back then and, um, you know, just be, sort of became an expert in the field by attending, doing, going. And so um, I had worked in the schools for many years, and when kids with disabilities would enter, um, they usually would call on me to, you know, figure out what the best system, the best hardware, software was to, you know, help them uh, with their reading, writing, math. And also back then it was a lot about access. So that's how I got into it. And um, I guess about 15 years ago I uh, decided to leave the schools and started doing work 
workshops, trainings, consulting, and then I was offered a full-time position as a faculty member, so I'm now an associate professor of education at a, a College of St. Elizabeth in um, Convent Station, New Jersey, and I teach graduate courses in special ed and assistive technology, and uh, during the day I do a lot of consulting to uh, school districts uh, doing evaluations, training, and implementation of um, various, you know, technologies to help students. What do you think, so in your time doing this, what's been, has there been a technology that's come along that has just been the, you know, that you think, oh man, this has been the biggest breakthrough in what we're doing. Has there been that one thing uh, that you're just so glad came along or that you just really lean on in that time? Well, I mean, I think what really revitalized the whole field was this device called the iPad. I think that that was a real game changer um, for the, because of the price, uh, because of the functionality, um, and you know, just the way the – I've never seen a technology – uh, being adopted so quickly in schools would tend to be very conservative. They sort of jumped on the bandwagon, and but for certain groups of kids, especially kids with um, you know with autism or on the called you know have a on the spectrum, um, having um, the iPad with um, apps that you know give them speech is just absolutely amazing because we're looking at devices that were seven to ten thousand dollars that now you could put together a whole solution for about seven hundred on it you know with an iPad so it was pretty pretty amazing and it actually um, it was really a disruptive technology from standpoint of the augmentative communication field as a matter of fact a lot of the you know the big companies actually went bankrupt or were purchased by other companies because because of the iPad so I think that was really um, you know a, a major you know, a major tool. Uh, I mean, just the you know, just the way it worked, and you know how you can configure it, and the pow you know how powerful the apps um, are on you know on the device. So, what's the profile of the students that you teach today? In the sense that what what do they need to know going in that you know that maybe 15 years ago didn't even exist, and and how do you how are you approaching that? In terms of the students I'm teaching, yeah, you're the student. Um, yeah, okay. So it's um, it's really interesting, be, be, you know, it, because of the fact that we have so much technology. So um, you know, often, you know, times we spend a lot of time on the concept of universal design for learning, which kind of gives them an overview of of the, you know, of which you know, what the students needs from a, a learning standpoint. And then I also give my students lots of experiences creating projects uh, using, you know, using the iPad, uh, using, uh, you know, computer technology as well, but also looking to the web um, as well for, you know, different tools that are available that can help them. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just really exciting, this, the, the whole idea that these devices are so portable and so powerful and that the other part, too, is a lot of the textbooks now are available in digital format and with text to speech, um, it's amazing what we what we can do. It really it's uh, it's it's hard to believe how far we've come in such a short amount of time. I mean, I remember in high school, you know, uh, basically I did some coding and you know we basically you know it was a terminal connected to a big mainframe computer. You know, just imagine you know carrying around an iPad or a Surface Pro three is just it, it's just unbelievable. It really is. Uh, I, I dreamt of days like this when I was I know exactly when I was a kid. I was like, oh my gosh! Someday we're gonna talk on phones, and they're, it's gonna be pictures. I know. You know we're I gonna know. see each other. I dreamt about a day like that, and now we just take it. We were just talking about that in the pre-show. We just take that so for granted now that you mm -hmm. can just make that that connection. 
Is there something special? You know, you, you mentioned autism in the iPad, and right. I've seen a lot of... Um, I, I know quite a few parents who have autistic children. Right. Is there something special there that really, where they can just really connect because it's visual, that they can, because it seems like they can just really work that device pretty well. Yeah, I think it's the, you know, the fact that um, it is, you know, direct touch of the kinesthetic part. Um, it's very visual, which, you know, feeds right into their sort of learning profile. Um, and it may, it's very intuitive. It just make, it makes sense. Um, and, of course, the cost of it is such that, you know, parents went out on their own. I mean, for many years, parents would battle insurance companies, you know, to pay, you know, for these devices that were thousands of dollars. And now that if you're seven, eight hundred bucks, they're able to put solutions together. Um, so it is pretty amazing. I spend, I spend most of my time, though, working with kids with, um, you know, severe learning disabilities, dyslexia. And, and so I, I use a variety of different tools and I, I think you know <clears throat> uh, every every year there's new trends you know so we kind of did the iPad thing and now we're into the Chromebook thing and you know but I always try to keep in mind that you know you have to have the right tool for the right job and so I that's where I think you know things like the Surface Pro 3 make a lot of sense for certain kids that I work with and and so the iPad is not the solution for every student um, you know and or the Chromebook whatever the case may be whatever the you know, kind of the but the, the, the flavor, of the, right? yeah, the flavor yeah. of the day. So yeah. it's it's really important to kind of keep that in mind because districts tend to be, oh, we're going to go out and we're going to buy all iPads and it's going to solve everything for everyone, and that's not that's not the case, you know. And uh, you know that that's why we have so many different tools, is because they do some things, you know, some tools do better at certain things and others do better at different things, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And let's talk a little bit about your journey to the Surface as a Microsoft Surface. How do, how do, so how do we get from Chromebooks and iPads to a Surface and now a Microsoft Surface MVP? What's that story? Um, I, you know, it's kind of interesting. I guess it was about oh, it was a little bit, it was two and a half years ago, three years ago, I was at um, ISTE, which is the large national, uh, it's an international society for technology and education conference. Um, and I met with uh, someone from Microsoft. It was at the time when Microsoft gave away 10,000 RTs, and I, I spent uh, a lot of time with um, the the head of the education division, and we, we spoke for some time, and I started using it and sort of liked the experience, even though I knew that it was version one and it would get better. Um, and so I used RT for a little bit and uh, had some experience with that. And then I decided to sell that, and I bought a, um, a, a Surface Pro 2, which was really, a, you know, really nice device. I had the dock and everything. And one of the reasons, I mean, I always like to keep up with technology, and there was something intriguing about the inking on that that really just, I don't know, it, when you write, on any Surface Pro, whether it be Surface Pro 2 or 3, the inking experience is quite unique. And in addition, having the keyboard and also just the compactness of it, for a lot of kids I work with physical disabilities need a keyboard to do certain things. It was a very intriguing, very portable, um, you know, solution. And so I started using it, started writing about it, and uh, I guess I, I caught Microsoft's attention and they invited me to become an MVP. And so I, I've, you know, I've spent some time actually placing 
the, the Microsoft Surface Pro 3 uh, into the hands of students with disabilities and um, you know do some training um, as well um, so it's it's been it's been exciting because I, I love having tools that meet the needs of students and uh, like I said you know it's not you know you have to have a variety of uh, different uh, you know tools in your toolbox and the Surface Pro 3 definitely you know is, is a tremendous solution for for certain students that you know need certain applications the other part too is that you know, because it's a Surface Pro 3 and it runs Windows 8, I can run, you know, legacy applications that, full applications that do the kinds of things that I needed to do for kids who have reading or writing disabilities. So it's um, it's unique in that regard, too. I'm not running an app. One of the, one of the difficulties with um, apps is that, and one of the problems I've seen, especially working with some of the kids that I do, is a lot of these kids may have difficulty with sequential memory, and the apps do very finite things so they're jumping in between several apps and it's it's hard for them to keep going in and out and so you know with the Surface Pro 3 I could set them up and put them in an application that does a lot of things so not jumping around from one little one small app and copying and pasting into another so um, you know a lot of times it, it does solve that problem for me. Have you found the limitations in the Chromebook just at that there really are no apps? I mean, you really got to do everything online if you're going to do it that way. And so is that, and then, you know, the iPad, of course, is, uh, is app-centric. Is, is that what you're finding limitations are with those? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I think from the standpoint of the, you know, of the school, um, they, they love the Chromebooks because you have a keyboard, especially for um, the high-stakes testing now, what's one of the requirements is a keyboard, and of course, they're inexpensive, um, and also from a, just a, an IT point of view, they're very, very easy to manage and, you know, much easier than iPads. I, I would say probably the Surface, you know, Surface Pro 3 or Windows 8 is probably as easy to manage as, as well. Um, there are, you know, definitely some more limitations, especially if you want to run, you know, legacy kind of, you know, Windows, um, you know, software. Um, but a lot of companies are coming out there, and honestly, they're coming out with some innovative um, solutions, you know, on the Chromebook using their, you know, apps and uh, and extensions. So it's kind of interest. It's kind of interesting. But you know, it's like what's happening is, you know, the camps are dividing. So you get schools that are. Windows camps that are running Office 365 and OneNote, and then you have the Google app districts that are they're doing everything through Google Drive. You know, it's you know, so it's the, they've divided that way. You and know, you have iPad the, ones too, right? That are doing yeah. all the all the all the Apple services and iCloud yes. and yeah, know. it's and that's you know, it's hard once they get locked into that infrastructure, it's hard for them, to, you know, to see where other tools might play a place, you know, to meet the needs of kids. And I think that's that's the challenging part is like, you know, I go in and I say, well, I think the child needs a Surface Pro 3, but we're a Mac district. You know, it's like, you know, we're a Chromebook, you know, and it's it's hard for, you know, it's hard for them. And, you know, I just, I, I, I go in, I, you know, I just recently went into a district and they're moving toward Chromebooks, you know, and they had me evaluate this child with a reading and writing disability. And I came back to them and I said, you know, we tried the Chrome stuff. It just wasn't right for him. You know, and so sometimes it's it is it is a challenge one way or the other. You know, I mean, I've I've you know I've I've actually gone in and you know you spoke to IT people because they were hesitant about bringing in the iPads because they were a window shop. You know, so it's it, it's it's constant. And, and you know, tomorrow will probably be something else that you know that's being uh, developed now in the laboratories of uh, HP or Google <laughs> or so. who knows. It's Let's so. hope so. <laughs> you know, I like to see. It's been a while. We've had. It's been a while since we've. And I say a while, man, maybe five years, but 
since we've seen these wildfire innovations, you, know, you said the iPad kind of changed the rules on a lot right. of things, and so yes. I think we're due for something else along those lines. Everything's gotten it's kind of versions of we'll talk about watches and gadgets and things like that, but yeah. we haven't seen anything. Yeah, and I think you're right. The we we sometimes get these ecosystems make a yes. division for us, and so it's too bad that we can't have an agnostic environment where everything can be okay and you use the right tool for the right person. And so right. in a lot of cases, the Chromebook is great. And for a lot of things, uh, Nathaniel Lindley, one of our listeners here who's been on the podcast regularly, he works in, a, in an area where they're all they're all Mac. I mean, they're all Chromebooks. And mm-hmm. They're easy to administrate and easy to deploy. Yep. And the kids, my sister works for a school and they're all they're all iPad. And she said, man, iPads change the way she teaches. Yeah. Yeah. And and just did some different things. I mean, even for the for the regular students, mm-hmm. having that technology in the classroom uh, yeah, has been it's... has been super helpful. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Surface, just real quick. What's your okay. favorite? What, what you mentioned uh, the the inking, right? And yes. I I too. Is that your favorite thing about the Surface when you when you think about it? Is that kind of the game changer for you on it? I think that's one of the. I, ju- I just. I mean, I just love the. You know, I love the fact that I, I got this really powerful device that I can, basically, you know, takes up no room in my bag. I throw it in there and I can do my work wherever I am. I think that's 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 key. And it, there are and there are some programs that you know run on Windows that I just really enjoy using. I, I use a lot of mind mapping software to do things, and there I have a couple of favorites like MindView, and uh, I use it. I use it a lot. Um, and it, you know, it, it it just runs it runs great on the surface, you know. So it's it's having that really powerful computer in a small footprint I can throw in my bag. Sometimes I don't even realize I have it in there. You know, it's uh it's quite it's quite incredible. And when I teach, I love using the um, wireless connectivity using the Miracast technology with the inking in OneNote. So cool. that's a Let's great. Let's save that. We'll talk about okay. that here in just a second. But mm-hmm. uh, because you're a Surface MVP and uh, because I got one of those too, uh, Phil, I always encourage people to call in. So Phil from the mm-hmm. UK called in. He's got a question for us. So okay. Let me, uh, let me, you know, it's, oh, Android didn't lock me out. Okay, there we go. Let me let me play this and we'll see if you guys can hear it. Here we go. Oh, hi, Jim. My name's Phil. I'm calling from UK. I'm a fan of your podcasts, and I always enjoy home gadget gigs. Um, I've heard you ask me to call in, so I thought I'd uh, respond. I've got a new uh, Surface Pro 3, which I'm, I'm really enjoying. Um, but I'm finding the dialog box, or the, the on-screen keyboard, doesn't, doesn't uh, pop up as often as it used to on my Surface uh, 2. Uh, in the past. So when I touch uh, dialog boxes where I expect the keyboard to pop up, it, it doesn't always come. I'm just wondering if you've come across that yourself and uh, if you've got any ideas how I might uh, resolve that. Keep up the good work with the podcasts. Really enjoy them. Cheers, Phil. I like at the end when he says, yeah. cheers, Phil, like he's signing the letter. Cheers, yes. Phil. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we talked a little bit that, about that in the pre-show. Um, and I think his issue with that is he's feeling like that that dialogue when you when you're flipping in between keyboard and not using the keyboard and, I, and we're going to talk about Windows 10 in a little bit too and how I think that's going to change right. but like that that keyboard dialogue's not popping up uh, and so have you seen any any difference like any changes where it's popping up less than it used to? No, but um, I th- I think there I mean Microsoft is aware there is an issue and um, on the Metro side. 
it uh, tends to be much more automatic that the keyboard pops up when it's supposed to. When you're on, I'll, I'll call it the Windows sort of 7 side, there's some issue with IE and it just doesn't come up. So you have to, a lot of times I manually have to go down and just, you see the little icon for the keyboard and just tap it and it pops up. So there is a conflict with some of the firmware. Um, so uh, hopefully, you know, with Windows uh, 10, we'll, you know, we'll get around that. Um, but uh, there, is that, there is an issue, yes. Okay. Well, good. Phil, thanks for calling in, and it was just ironic. I got the message uh, last week, and we'd, we've been planning for a, a couple of weeks to have you on the show, and tonight when I'm, I'm like, I should probably listen to that message again, and as I was playing, I'm like, oh, great, it's a Surface question, and I'm, I've got a Surface uh, MVP on, so it just worked out well. We'll take it to Surface Geeks as well. A uh, reminder, if you don't listen to Surface Geeks, you can head over to surfacegeeks.net. Dave McCabe uh, runs that uh, just about every other week or so. I've been trying to join him. Now that I'm finagling my way, I'm trying, Brian. I'm trying. I'm working okay. my way onto the Surface team. That's, I think that's, that's no secret there. We, we need you there. We need you. <laughs> there's no secret uh, in, in, uh, to, that I'm, I'm finagling my way off the Windows team. And on. Well, the cool thing about the Surface team is it's really both hardware and software together, right? We get the best. We get the best of it. Before we talk about your gadgets, let's talk a little bit about Windows 10 because it's one of those things that we can separate out from the Surface when we talk about it, but I think is going to be great on the Surface. I mean, I really, as I started looking at, have you done much work yet? Have you tried it? You have it in VMs? You got it on hardware? Have you done much work? I haven't yet, but I've been following and watching videos and things, but I, I think the whole idea of the continuity of when you're using, you know, the keyboard, when you're using the, you know, the touch interface is going to be, is going to be unique. And I think the biggest issue that um, most people have with Windows 8.1, it feels like a very schizoid kind of experience because you got the Metro and then you have this Windows 7 thing and some people would get confused as to where they were at and I think that that will all be unified with with 10 so you won't it'll feel like you just you know using one operating system and it won't make a difference if, it, if it's a legacy application or a metro app it'll open up in a window um, so I think that experience will be a lot Different, especially on the tablet, it should be a much more uh, pleasant experience because it will know when the keyboard's attached and when you're using it as a tablet. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to you know. So I'm looking forward to carrying the Surface around, you know. So I, I might be in tablet mode, right? So I've got it this way. So I might be doing some stuff, and as soon as I as soon as I pop it in. Uh, it automatically the, the keyboard function just goes away, right? I mean, from from a it popping up anymore. And, uh, and getting because it even even now it gets a little confused sometimes and I get <laughs> the funny thing is I'm using Windows 10 enough that I expect it to you know when I'm when I'm right. working on this now I expect it to work like Windows 10 and I'm like oh that's right I'm not I'm not on a Windows 10 uh, you know OS yet and so yeah. it's been um, but I am looking forward if there's one piece of functionality that I'm looking forward on the Surface is that quick connect the keyboard and then it shuts off the on-screen keyboard immediately and goes into, you know, goes kind of into the full screen. Yeah, it, you know, it, yeah it'll be interesting to see, you know, I know that uh, Microsoft has planned a, you know, a, a meeting at the end, I guess, third week in January, so basically on the consumer side of Windows 10, it should be interesting to see what developments and, and what they communicate, but uh, it, it's going to, I think it's going to be a really great experience where they unify both, both, both sides of you know the metro and the legacy applications uh, so and you know it'll be, it'll be a fantastic experience on 
you know, on the surface. Yeah, it's been well. It's been a great experience. I've run it both physical hardware, so I had a laptop. Okay. Uh, I've had a laptop here at a Core i7, mm-hmm. early generation Core i7. That was my son's non-touch, and so. Um, I ran it on that for a while, ran great. I've run it in a couple different VMs, some local VMs, also running it in an Azure VM, which is kind of interesting because I can get to that Windows 10 instance from anywhere. And I can even open it on the surface and make it look like it's running Windows 10 on that, which is kind of cool. That's cool. You just kind of get a glimpse. Now, it doesn't act the same, exactly right. the same way, but... But uh, uh, although I haven't, I should I should monkey around with that more, uh, just to see what it does as it's full screen and kind of taking over kind of the the surface at that point. And I've it, one of the things I've really liked about it is the notification center that's in there. Mm-hmm. That really is a clean. You know, Windows has been missing notifications. I mean, the notifications right. have just been awful. <laughs> you know, you just don't really know. They've had this action center, and it was just it was horribly laid out. And this just really goes to the plain dialog box. Here's the notifications. Here's what's going on on your PC. Clear them all. It works a lot like a phone, and so I'm kind of glad. Uh, and then we've seen some leaked builds of it where right. even the, the control panel is moving over to more of a Metro-style yeah. simplification of things. And so I'm excited uh, to see that come because everybody yeah. says, you say Windows 8 to anybody, and they're like, oh, uh, uh, yeah. You know? And I'm also really excited with the possibilities with uh, Cortana on you know Windows 10. Also, I think speech, um, and I think that's you know you know you, you sort of ask where the direction of technology is going. It's definitely going you know towards some you know speech recognition and you know computers understanding natural speech and things of that sort. So I think uh, I, there were some videos and uh, I guess leaked videos about Cortana on the desktop, which was uh, really interesting to watch. Yeah, and I haven't found you know uh, Windows or uh, Google Now on the desktop with the mic where you push it and you talk into it. Right. I haven't found that particularly helpful in, mm. in you know in what I'm doing. It works right. okay. Uh, you know, my Android phone, it's fairly worthless. I mean, it it just it does some cool. It's got some good gadgety things. Right. We were we had um, I was talking with Vince Surf about this. We had uh-huh. him here at Gallup. He's a senior scientist for Gallup and. Right. I still think we were were a ways away, even though the speech is working. I, I, we've mm-hmm. got some things to work out, but I think our devices, if they're gonna, if we're gonna talk to them, they have to talk back to us with a personality, not, not you know, it's a you robotic know. thing. Right? Yeah, I think before we trust them, they'll they'll need to have some you know, like a Jarvis, right, from mm-hmm. from Iron Man. That's where they know us. They talk to us. It's kind of human to human interaction. Otherwise, it feels like Riker on Star Trek Next Generation where he's looking up at the ceiling and saying, computer, you know, kind of thing. Right. And you, you just go, God, that is horrible. <laughs> Even in that generation, they didn't have, you know, they didn't really have an idea. The, the, the computers, they had all this power, but they didn't see that the computer could have a personality or kind of... Well, act like yeah, that. and that's the thing, too, is always, like, you know, is the contextualization of it, you know, what's the context? And I think that's the thing that, you know, where the computers need to get more smarts in terms of, you know, when you ask it a question, it you know, it understands, has some background information, who you are, what the context of the question is, and I think it's the contextualization of it that's really key, not so much just, you know, just adhering to a command, you know, I think that's the, that's the difference, yeah. Yeah, it's so loft to send chat. He says, Jim, next time you see Vint Surf, give him a hug for me. I mean, here's the guy invented the internet, right? right. I'm, I'm, next time he's in town, next year, I only see him about once a, once a year. I just, hey, Vint, I, I'm going to, from humanity, I'm just going to give you a hug. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for great. the internet. That's <laughs> good. 
Thank you for the internet. That's uh, that would that would be awesome. Let's um let's talk anything else on Windows 10 as far as when we talk about that. I mean, you mentioned the consumer preview coming. I think the 21st of yes, June or something yes, like that. Yes. And we're pretty excited about that that piece coming. I think there's going to be some new functionality coming with it. I'm going to be gearing up my VMs to kind of get ready for that so that uh, we can do some testing on Anything else along those lines that you're looking forward to? No, it's pretty much, uh, um, I, th I think that unification of both sides of the operating system I think is really is really critical um, for people that, you know, have more confidence and, and you know, I think they'll have just a much better, you know, exp you know user uh, you know, experience using Windows 10. Yeah. I was, I was speaking at a school on Wednesday, so if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you saw some pictures. Yes. I was mm -hmm. out doing some podcasting at a high school, which I just love. It was, yeah, it was so great. good. It was so good. And some audio, that's going to be heavily produced stuff, uh, so it'll be weeks, maybe even right. a month or two before I right. put that stuff out. But, so I was, uh, that class got over, and the teacher said, hey, would you stay around for the, we have sophomores coming in, and would you mm -hmm. stay around and just introduce yourself and talk to them? She'd let me talk the whole class if I, right. <laughs> if I would have taken I'm her. Sure. She, was, she was super happy that I was just there. To, and she's very techie, but. Right. So I'm talking about Windows 8, and, and I, I was going to try and show them the Windows 10 tech preview. They mm -hmm. block, their school blocks remote desktop connections. Uh, so yeah. I got stuck there. I couldn't do it. didn't have a device that I could show it to them right. immediately on. But um, So I said, well, Windows 10 is coming, and one of the girls goes, oh, I just bought a laptop that's Windows 8. You know, you could just see fear in her eyes, like, that's not going to... And I'm like, no, 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 you're probably... No, 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 you'll be, you're probably, be fine. You're going to yes. be okay. <laughs> you're going to get it. It's probably going to be okay. Yes. Um, but it was just fun to interact with those kids. And then uh, I was... So I was showing them the Surface. I right. plugged it in. I'd use an adapter. I bought a Cable Matters adapter uh, that's got uh, VGA, uh -huh. HDMI, as well as DVI on it. Plugs into the Surface as well. A nice little adapter for it. So I'm plugged in, and she goes, she raises her hand. She goes, um, why is there Internet Explorer still on there? Oh, <laughs> I wow. A, I thought that was an interesting. This is a sophomore, right? Right. She goes, that's a terrible browser. Right, and it's had its problems. Right, I mean, obviously, it's living. So we have these kids who are right. browser savvy. Yes, you know, and they're using they're using a Chrome browser most of the time. I would imagine. I think, yeah, I think in most cases, right, yes, all, the, right. all the kids are using Safari or, or yeah, Chrome. Chrome. Yeah, Chrome. Yeah. Firefox has really kind of really yeah. kind of started to tail off. Yes, um, from a browser that folks are using. But it was it was I. It was interesting, and I'm like, well, it comes with the OS, and I just haven't taken it off. It, and there are times when I when I want to use it, you know, actually at work, there's things that because we're a Microsoft environment, there's things that work better. Right. Yes. On IE as opposed to the browser, and so I just yeah. left that on. But it's, it, it's interesting perspective. Yeah. yeah. Do you get some feedback? Um, how often are you in the schools where now you're teaching it, but your students are college students? How how often are you getting into the schools where you're seeing the kids uh, at the at the high school or junior high or elementary? Yeah, level? I um I I do a lot. I mean, I do a lot of consulting um, in the morning because I teach graduate courses late in the afternoon. So I'm in schools all the time, working with students and and teachers. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot of fun and it keep, it keeps me grounded in that I'm not you know sort of speaking from my uh, Ivy League uh, you know, <laughs> chair there. Um, you know, I, I'm actually working with kids who have, you know, real experience with teachers and, you know, finding out what works and what doesn't work and getting feedback from, uh, from students, which is 
really um, is really essential. Um, so that's the exciting that's the exciting part. Some of the some of the work I do is very you know like I go in I do an evaluation and then I'm done. I don't really see what happens. Other times I I, I do have regular consultations based on my recommendation, so I get to see you know how things are going, which is really um, exciting. But I spend a lot of time working with the teachers as well to make sure they really know you know what they need to what they need to know to make it work. It's it's rarely just you know handing off a Surface Pro 3 to a teacher and say you're on your own. Good luck. It just doesn't work. You know uh, it's got to be systematic. And you know the school districts that do it right, you know have me come in and do the training and you know do the follow up, or else it, it, everything falls apart. I mean it just doesn't get used. I mean um, unfortunately uh, our field and probably other fields too. The abandonment rate could be anywhere from 75 to 80 percent. Even when districts go out and buy a piece of equipment, it gets abandoned because of lack of training and support. Um, so it's, um, you know, hopefully, you know, again, in those districts that are doing it right, they have people like me who come in and, and work with the teachers and do the training and the support and make sure it works. And also, you know, sometimes we have to change in mid-course too because something that I thought would work may not, you know, and it's nature of the beast. Yeah. Do you find do you get good solid feedback from the kids and do they come opinionated with their tech bias? Yeah, it's, this, is, this is you'll appreciate this. I I was working with a 6th grader uh, about about a month ago and I think it was right before it was right before the summit and I walked in and the district told me they're using iPad so I brought my iPad and I'm you know working with the student and she's um She's physically disabled. She's in a in, in a wheelchair, and I'm about you know I'm about to leave, and she goes to me, you know, how about how about if I use the Surface Pro three? And I go, what? She goes, yeah, yeah, you know. She goes, I was in the Microsoft store in the mall, and I tried it, and I I really liked it. And I was trying to explain to her that you know I thought the iPad would work, but she was just so. You know, she she was such an advocate for herself that you know I felt like I had to go back, so I did. I the next week I, I brought my Surface Pro three. We tried it with her, and um, she I mean she loved it, you know. And so actually yesterday I was back in the school. The school purchased it, and I was doing some training. So um, some of the kids really advocate for themselves, and they they sort of know what they like. So I you know I have to I sort of have to go with you know the, the student's perspective because if they're motivated by a piece of equipment and it meets their needs, you know I, I want to give them something that you know they can you know they can grow into, but something that they really love using. And in this particular case, uh, this student really I mean she just fell in love with the Surface Pro three. You know, so it's interesting. I, I kind of find that with people too that uh, when any more when they start asking me about tech questions, I almost now always say, "Well, what have you been using that you really like to get mm -hmm. kind of a feel?" Because getting them to cr to go cross platform when they're not willing to do it, it's just impossible, right? That's yeah. one of those things where when the school district imposes, we're going to be an all Mac school, and uh, and you know the teachers like, well, wait a minute, it was in this classroom the other day. I was mm -hmm. um, I was interviewing one of these gals and right. was asking her how she does her video editing, and she like apologetically said, well. I do it on. I do it with Sony Vegas on Windows, and I'm in a classroom full of 27-inch Mac. You know, they got some right. nice equipment. Yes, there. I know. Obviously, feeling beat down that she she was a Windows user, you know, in this world of Mac. And, uh, mm -hmm. and but you know, I said, hey, if that is working for you, right? 
again, we get back to this message: you, the best technology is the technology that works, and the one you. that you and the one that you use. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's it is. Uh, but it, you know, again, it, it, you know. It, it's always a and it's a lesson that I you know teach my students too is that we have to be careful not to impose our own values when we're doing this you know and let the I'll say the consumer the student you know guide guide us as we're trying to figure out what the best solution is and it's um, sometimes you know our own pride gets in the way or you know we think we know better but it's really in the end it's it's really that match between the technology and you know and the and the students learning profile that makes a real difference and again if they have a preference that's going to be motivating them enough for them to really use it and that's where that's in the long run that's the most important thing will they use it and if they do that that's you know that's the most important thing to me yeah, it's ironic. So at work, we put in a whole bunch of new equipment, uh, audio, video stuff, a whole new right. conference rooms, and they the contractor they went with was very Mac heavy, and so we right. have iPads that slide into these pockets in the wall where you, you know you can do controls, you can pull right. them out and take them with you and do all this cool stuff. And so far, every time I go into one of those rooms, the iPad is sitting on the wall and it says "Need an update, okay?" or you know, cancel. And I'm no like, using them, huh? not, not at all. And, and <laughs> need an update? You, it's it's just funny how often. I mean, I go into the same room all the time, and it seems like that iPad wants an update like every week. And I'm like, what world is it that we have Apple products updating that frequently now? Or at least to me, it's seeming to be that uh, that. Uh, it is. Often. It's it's been frequent. Yeah, it has been frequent. Yeah. There's been a yeah, couple yeah. of upgrades that you know days of each other. You know, because of problems and stuff like that. So that is uh, that, that that is an issue. Yeah. So it's um I mean it's just but I mean as you know it's just been such I mean these times are so exciting to be in technology. I mean it's just it's you know just like you I mean it's just impossible sometimes for me to keep up and I try to do my best but it's like it's 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 unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. It's, the, the the Amazon Fire Stick just came out, right? And it's yes. not that much different than the Fire TV and then we have Chromecast and then we have Apple TV and then and then there's a whole bunch of other off-market uh you know uh, Dave right. was talking about one and I should know it. Uh Somebody in the chat room will get it. He was it was a media kind of media center kind of thing. So there's all these different things going on. And the other day, I've had a Chromecast that I bought. So I bought one for the family. My wife actually mm -hmm. uses it. The other day, I was so proud of her. We're watching TV. She's like, "Oh, I want to show you this video." And she grabs her phone, brings it up, hits Chromecast. TV comes on. She hits start. Boom. I mean, like, uh, yeah. She had it. Ran. It was awesome. The video played for us. And then. Uh, just last night or two nights ago, uh, we were talking about this video. There's this skiing video where this guy skis down the crack of this mountain that's super steep and super scary. And I was like, hey, look, look so I'm going to play it. And so I came back here, and I brought up Chrome, and I just right. I hit, you know, boom to the to the TV, and out it went. But I've had the second Chromecast sitting on my desk uh, that I bought. Like, it's a refurb. I bought it for, like, 15 bucks right. on Root or something like that. <laughs> I haven't used it. Yeah, fact, I had to pull it over here to, to plug it in the other day. I just haven't gotten around to it. From a media standpoint, I, uh, I, I assume you've got some Chromecast going on, but how do you consume your media there? What, do, what are you using? We talk about watching TV and those kinds of things. Um, I, I actually, when the Chromecast came out, I... Was one of the uh, I purchased it immediately. Um, so downstairs we have an older HDMI. It's, like, it's a Sony like a Brevi or something. We bought it like six seven years ago. It's a big big beast of a TV. And so um, I have my Chromecast down there. And upstairs we just updated. We I just bought a Vizio smart TV, and that 
you know, has a lot of the apps uh, built in. I actually um, have a Miracast uh, receiver attached to the um, the uh, you know the HDMI port. It's a it's a Action Tech um, ScreenBeam Mini 2. It's a also looks like the size of a Chromecast that's plugged in, so I could do mirror casting from there because every you know all the smart apps are built in. I got you know Netflix and. Hulu, but most of the time I'm using Netflix or HBO or Showtime, which is you know part of my uh, I guess my, my my cable package. But uh, for streaming, uh, Chromecast is definitely uh, downstairs has worked. It's worked really well. It's a you know it's a great little great little device. And, and do you find how are you pushing when when you're when you're pushing content to the Chromecast or selecting it? Where right. are you, you? What kind of device are you using to connect to it? Um, usually my iPhone, my okay. iPhone six, or I have an iPad. You know, I've got, uh, I got. Uh, you name the device. <laughs> Jim. You, you've got one. Um, well, like you know, like I said, I like to keep you current. To. Um, so I have, you know, I have two uh, iPad Airs. I have a iPad Mini. I have a Dell Venue Pro Eight. I have a, uh, a, a Nexus Seven tablet. You know, so I just you know try to keep. The hardest part is keeping them all charged. Believe it or not. Yeah, I know it is. You're like, oh, you go to grab it. And it's been I know. Do you ever exactly. have that technology guilt uh, sometimes when you're like, you know, here sits on my desk a thousand dollars worth of tablets, right? For the most part, when you think about all those. Yes. And I maybe use them one time a week or a month or what have you. You need to have them because there's times when you got to test stuff or right. you want to yes. try stuff out. You, you have a little tech guilt. I do. I mean, I'm think, oh. I've yeah. got this Lumia 520. I never even use anymore. It just sits on my desk. Yeah, and I, I know. it's yeah. I mean, there's some like, and then I go through. I probably like you. I go through phases, right? There was a phase I was using my iPod, my iPad Mini all the time because of its size and stuff. And then I, um, I, I you know, I, I actually wound up buying you know two um, you know iPhone sixes, and there was a special if I did that. I got two hundred dollars off on a iPad Air with LTE. So I've been using that, which is I mean, having LTE is just really fantastic in the device, and I think, you know, hopefully that's where the Surface next Surface Pro is going. Because I mean, it's just a game changer for me. I go into schools where either they won't let me get on their Wi-Fi, I can't get on their Wi-Fi, and just having that functionality is is really is really key. Um, but yeah, you, I, you know, think, get, uh, yeah. Brian, let me ask you: You don't think having a separate Wi-Fi device is a uh, for you, especially having so many devices and many of them not having LTE? If you had a Verizon you know, hub or and I'm not using the right term. I have one. I have one of the MiFi's too, Jim. Don't worry about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I bought. I actually bought the MiFi last year before I had the LTE because I had a, I had an iPhone 4S the longest time, which was just a you know basically a 4G, uh, I guess a 3G. Um, so it didn't have LTE. So I got the MiFi. Um, so I do use that on occasion as well. But now I can really I can use my you know my iPhone 6 as my hotspot too because it's pulling the LTE. So I, I don't I, you know, I don't use the MiFi as much as I yeah. It's like you know it's. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the guilt is, I mean, I don't feel like guilty because, I mean, it's my profession. It's also my business, you know, so I'm making an investment in, you know, carrying around with me, you know, current technology that, you know, I use, you know, in my practice. So, um, you know, that's, you know, that's the way I look at it. So it's it's not like if I, if it was more for just personal consumption I might I probably would feel that guilt but you know there are times when I just need a piece of equipment and I have to have it and you know it's, it's in my it's in my arsenal yeah 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 well you need to have it available for what exactly you do. 
Yeah. Uh, Kevin Kevin wants to know, Kevin Schoonover wants to know if you have an HP touchpad uh, anywhere hanging. You, do you remember those from from about yeah. three or four years ago? No, I don't have any of those. <laughs> Nobody does. Is he looking yeah. for one? If he's, no, is he looking you, were, you, were, you were listing off all your stuff. And that's actually, we talked about that quite a bit. That was something I kind of, uh, because I was a Palm Pre guy, Mm-hmm. And that touchpad was kind of the, you know, HP picked that up and then put the Palm OS on it. And, you know, they sold them for a while and then they sold them for 99 bucks and they just flew out the, you know, they... Yeah, I remember probably, that. Never yeah. to be seen again. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of those things that gets brought up in our community just because we'd, we'd had a little... Yeah, I was a, you know, I was a Palm user too for many years, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually used, it was a company, they're no longer, um, uh, it was called AlphaSmart and they had developed this AlphaSmart Neo that had the Palm operating system with a, a small LCD display and, you know, when laptops were like $2,000, these were like 400 and so it was using them but can never really get the palm operating system to work in a in a classroom environment you know it was it was built for the you know for the one person you know and that that was the downfall they invested a lot in it and they just could never it was just a clutch to synchronize and, and do what they had to in a classroom scenario yeah I remember I had a palm 5 and I had a little wireless or a little keyboard little portable keyboard yeah, like yeah. you fold it yeah, out in a plane yeah. I'd take yeah. notes, and when I got back, I'd sync that thing to the PC. Man, yeah. those were the days. That's, I know. It's going I back know. a ways. It's going back that a is, ways. But that's true. That's man, true. You have, you'd have all those problems with it. But, Let's talk a little bit about watches. Gadget, a little bit, sorry. because you've got a Pebble, and you've also you got the Fitbit Zip, which is not... Yeah. Hold on. Let me... Hold on. Uh, do that again. I'll put the... I didn't let me see if I can... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do one of my uh, little fans here. Let's see if it's... Let's see. Uh, come on. Okay, so this is uh, the Pebble. This was actually, I um, invested in the Kickstarter project when it was a Kickstarter. And um, I, I, I'm not a big, um, I'm not into jewelry and I'm not into really watches, but I really love this because it's so lightweight. It uses e-ink technology, so it, stayed, it could stay charged for about a week. Um, it's got apps if you want to, you know, if you're into running and activity. Um, I, I kind of use it, you know, for basic kind of things. But the what I really love it for is the fact that all my tweets, text messages, notifications get displayed on on the Pebble, uh, which is nice. So that when I'm in a meeting and even if the phone rings, I can see who's the number, I can see who's calling, which is nice. And I I do see my tweets and uh, notifications, Facebook, Twitter, those kinds of things, LinkedIn. So it's uh, it's it's really nice, um, and I'm not really looking for anything. I don't really need this to, you know, communicate back uh, to my phone. But uh, it, it does some really it does some ni- it does some nice things. I can you know change the um, let's, see we, let's see if we can change it. Now, now my my Rolex. Any future with those? Have they? I mean, they rolled out with a bunch of fanfare. One of my high school yeah. students has one of those. He's actually hacked it and done some cool wow. stuff with it. Mm-hmm. But I haven't heard much beyond that. Have the wh- what's the ecosystem like, and are they continuing? I mean, to they them? they continue to yeah. I mean, they they came out with a higher end one. You know, that's kind of you know you know looks more like a you know a higher end watch. Um, they 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 continue to roll out apps. Um, you know, um, and they've lowered. I mean, this one, I think right now you get it like even at Best Buy, like seventy nine dollars or something like that. Um, it's also 
waterproof, um, which is nice. Um, you know, it, it does it does the things I need it to do. You know, but it's you know I'm sure it's not gonna you know it's not gonna be what you know the Apple you know watch is going to be like the Dick Tracy watch, shall we say? You know. Um, well, we'll but, see uh, if they ever get one out. I mean, it it's a little but, surprising to me. It's taken them this long to get one to market. They've they're gonna miss the Christmas season. It's gone. And I know. It's just not like Apple to to have uh, to have missed the Christmas season on this one. Yeah, you, it must be. There's a lot to it, I guess. Um, my, well, uh, yeah. One of my Apple apologist friends. Yes. Said Jim, we, we're not we're not gonna and like like he's part of the company. He says, Jim, we're not gonna release that <laughs> before it's time right? <laughs> until it's until it's just perfect. It has right. to be just perfect. You know, the longing for these Steve Job days. And, yeah, uh, and I was like, "Well, okay, that's fine. We'll see when it comes. I, maybe it'll be a great watch." Um, mm -hmm. Did you take a look? So at at Summit, we did a lot of talking about the band. The band. Take a the peek band. at that one. I yeah. did. I think it's. Interesting. I just. It, it's definitely version one. I just. It, it looked too big to me. I mean, I. I don't like when I when I put this on. This weighs a couple of ounces, and it. It. it I don't even know it's there. Sometimes you know the band just looked too. Big and it, there was something about even the way it wraps around your wrist. You know, I mean, I know Dave is. You know, most of the guys are wearing it on the inside. You know, the inside over here. Yeah. Uh, yep. Just the way it angles, it just looked like too much. Yeah. Too much for me um, at this point. I mean, I have the. Uh, I use a Fitbit for steps and stuff like that. So. And you have the. You're using the zip, so you're using the. I'm using a. Know, I got this small little. On the the small little guy, yeah, this 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 little guy here, yeah, which is which is nice because it stays charged with a little, you know, quarter size battery for about three four months, you know, depending on how much I, I use it. Um, and it's interesting. My brother had one of the higher end ones, and he went to this because he got tired of charging the device. You know, it's like, well, yeah, it's like one less thing. You know, it's. Uh, it's a lot, you know, when you think about all the things we have to keep charged these days, you know. Yeah, and the band only gets maybe 30 hours, so you got to figure out when are you going to throw that thing on the charger. If you want to get the sleep stuff, you're not going to charge it when you sleep. I mean, it's a real dilemma, right? Because it's it it's tracking everything, and of course, if you're a data nerd, you want every bit of data it's got to track on you. So you're like, right. well, so I've asked some people, well, when are you going to charge it? Well, I guess when I'm in the bathroom, you know, or. <laughs> Right. <laughs> when I'm sitting at my desk at work, you know, right. I would pull that right. thing off and and throw it on the charger, and then of course I would get up and walk away and forget it, you know. Yeah, I'm just gonna I just want to check. Let's see the uh, battery life. You know, so it's like, I mean, you know, now it's at fifty percent, but I mean, this thing will go for probably about a week, you know, without yeah a charge, which is which is which is nice. I mean, it's too bad they haven't. You know, it's like in the you know traditional watches where the the movement would charge it. I, I don't understand why they can't do something like that with yeah, these. You think a device you know. that's measuring your movement? Yes. <laughs> that's with, a great with, idea. Yes, I know. I know. So, but uh, patent that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, I use that. I use my Surface Pro 3. Um, I, and I've, I've, um, I've been a big fan of um, the LiveScribe um, pen. 
Um, this is the sky, which is nice because this syncs everything to my Evernote account in the cloud. So basically, it's like scanning my notes. But more importantly, this um, allows me to record audio. So it basically um, allows me to bookmark audio when I'm working with students, um, which is really nice. And when I tap on the paper, it queues up to that point in time when you know the students were, were speaking. I do a lot of stuff around reading and comprehension. And so it's just been invaluable to me. And then I can always access all these files, both the audio and my ink. Uh, through Evernote, which is really, um, which is really great. Uh, this actually has has a Wi-Fi radio built in, so it once I come home, it just syncs everything wow. um, and backs it up for me, which is great. So I keep all my notes pretty much in that journal, and there's different kinds of note paper. They just um, basically partnered with um, uh, Moleskin, so you can get Moleskin journals, you know, and write on those as well um, using this pen. So anyone that's do doing anything where, you know, audio is important, and I also work with a lot of high school and college students that have difficulty listening and taking notes, and so this has really proven to be, uh, in, you know, invaluable to them. And, and a lot of kids with learning disabilities, when they go off to college, they used to be provided with note takers. Now a lot of this, a lot of the uh, universities and colleges are giving them the pen to take into class, and so they're doing it independently, which is uh, really exciting. So um, it's 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 nice. I mean, it's a, it's a nice system. How helpful would that be to be able to record some of those conversations and then come back to them weeks later and listen them to them at two or three times the speed? Correct. Right, because you have the context already, and so you can just yeah. you can you know I've been sometimes I've been listening to podcasts that way. You can just get through the information. It's funny to take a forty-five minute podcast that you're used to, where it takes two or three trips to work for me to get through that. And if you listen right. to them double speed or even triple, it's done right. by the time you get there, and you're like, oh wow, I guess I can consume this yeah. information. So I mean, that. it's I'm just gonna cover up over here, but um, if I were to just like tap on here. So you can see that that's a reading flu. And then, I, then at the bottom, so then at the, uh, the bottom of the page are the icons that let me control the speed. So I can actually slow it down as I'm listening to it. And you can see on the, and I can also jump around the page to, um, so basically, the, you know, the ink is sort of bookmarks for the audio. I mean, so it's, but it's, it's great because it, it lets me do things rather quickly and collect data. So when I'm sitting here writing a report, I can then go, go back and, you know, listen to what the student said, uh, you know, during the, during the session. So anyone that's doing interviewing or audio recordings are important. It's just a great tool. And again, it backs everything up. It archives it in Evernote, which is nice, which I, I, use, a, I use a great deal as as well. Have you tried that same functionality like with OneNote in the, on Surface where you just tap the record button and let the Surface do the recording? Uh, it, where it just and then it keeps that audio file in OneNote. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, it's just kind of interesting with the technology so far. A field of some of our policies. Uh, you know, a lot of the schools um, have giving some of the kids a tough time with audio recordings these days, and so it's uh, it's become an issue. But in OneNote, there's an you know basically a audio recording function, um, and it works really well. Um, but some of the schools are hesitant to allow students to 
do the recording in in the classroom. Even with the pen, too, I've come across schools that uh, will not allow certain students to use it. Um, so it, 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 that has become a, an issue. And uh, some schools are revisiting their audio recording policy because of some of the you know the new technologies, whether it be OneNote or LiveScribe, or you know. So it's like you know it's uh, it's tough for them sometimes to keep up well it's an old it's an old thought right of recording and, and yes you know it's, yeah. it, we've it's come so far what's the name of that pen again live scribe l-i-v-e scribe.com if you need more information it's a it's a great I and mean, again if you're doing if you, you work in a field where you know interviews are important or you know collecting information it's uh it, it's it's really it's a really nice tool how's the audio quality on that when you think about what it's, we're um, at with podcasting these days is it pretty good it's you know the other part too is if you're in like a large lecture hall they do have higher quality um, they call them 3D microphone looks like a headset but um, you plug it into the top and then the the uh, audio quality is very very good you get that really crisp quality sound um, the microphone built in there is it's okay I wouldn't say it's fantastic the new one the the smart pen uh, LifeScribe smart pen three that just came out uses the um, uh, either your iPhone or an iPad as as the recording device so it uses low energy Bluetooth uh, as a recording device so it means that you have to have your phone on you when you do it um, this this I like this pen better because it has both the microphone and the speaker built into the pen whereas when you're using it um, the new pen, you you know, you're actually using the microphone and the speaker on your dev your eye device to, uh, you know, to record or listen to it. So, but yeah, you, that's you a technology I've lost track of. I, I I was aware of those a couple years, maybe three four yeah. years ago, and I kind of lost track of it. It's not the sexy watches or no, or phones but, or whatever, but but you know, it's interesting. You just tapped on that, and then uh, you see the controls at the bottom of the page, and I'm like, wow, that's yeah, That's really yeah. I'm and um, else in the community is using that. Yeah, and for the other part too, because I work in schools. Like today, I was in uh, a school where uh, students have developmental disabilities or cognitive disabilities. And um, what I could do with that pen is I can actually put what they call sound stickers on paper. And so when students tap the sticker it might give them they can listen to the teacher's direction so that the teacher doesn't have to do you know be there all the time hovering over them so we're trying to teach them independence uh, following directions they have learning center so now they can go to the learning center tap on the sticker and listen to what you know the directions as opposed to the teacher always having to you know get up and and tell them what to do so it's kind of interesting what you can do with some of these uh, technologies both personally I mean I use it I've been using this, these systems for, for years myself because I'm not the greatest person with paper, but if I know I do it and it's also on Evernote, I can, you know, I can access it. Mm -hmm. And I can also push that to um, I, the new pen, the LiveScribe 3 pen, you can push all your notes to OneNote now as well. Oh, very cool. Let's uh, one last question, and and Brian, thanks for taking an hour. It goes so fast. No problem. Oh my God. Stuff. I appreciate. We're, we're already at an hour. Um, let's look at the future. You know, at the end, we're at the end of 2014, or headed mm -hmm. into 2015. We're already halfway through the decade, which is just scary to me that we. It's pretty we're, scary. We're halfway through this decade already. Um, what are you looking for as you look out ahead? What are some of the tech? You know, what are the, some of the gadgets you're waiting for, looking for, looking forward to? Anything out there? You know, maybe it's just one thing, but anything out there you're really looking forward to? 
Um, I think for some of the kids that I work with, especially that um, were really physically disabled, we've made some strides in the area of um, using eye gaze technologies. And I think that um, you know, going forward, we'll even make um, you know be even more improvements. Um, so I'm looking forward to that where it's kind of built into the system and I, I know that some of the companies I think Intel's working on some things too with there's a company called Toby that does eye gaze systems and for some kids it would be indispensable to have that built in right now it's fairly um, expensive and also there's also a lot of you know adults who have ALS and um, you know some of the systems are very expensive but there is actually a Microsoft Surface um, Pro solution with uh, the Toby with eye gaze but even um, there's some you know research um, being done with um, basically uh, it's kind of interesting but the brain when, when people who have locked in syndromes um, uh, may have severe strokes or um, and what happens is if they're thinking of something the brain actually fires as if it's going to happen but because they don't you know because they don't have no motor capabilities nothing happens so they're actually looking at sort of interfaces where people can think and words will appear on the screen um, using word prediction and things like that so I think that's that's definitely you know coming um, you know as well so I think we'll see some big strides in you know th those kinds of technologies that give individuals with more limited motor abilities the ability to communicate and uh, you know control their environment which is really um, really exciting good well that's exciting to hear from you you know one of the, my favorite things about doing home gadget geeks you know we're on two I mean, we're on show 196 so I've been doing this a while we just celebrated our four-year anniversary last podcast and we, we didn't even realize it until we were on the show talking about it. I'm like oh hey guys today this is our four-year anniversary uh, is that I get to I get to have some great conversations that aren't just so tech centric but you know, today we really talked about how this helps people, right? I mean, this mm -hmm. is real technology in a real place, helping real people do stuff, and it's exciting to have you kind of in the middle of that. That because oftentimes we, you know, we talk tech gear just right. for like the sense, just for the sake of tech gear. It's like, yeah, I've got eight watches and four <laughs> four tablets, and right? That. And and uh, so I love to have folks on that come and kind of bring it to kind of bring it home to like here's how we're actually using it today and this mm -hmm. is how it's overcoming obstacles and people are getting done. So Brian, thanks for taking a That's, few minutes to be on. Uh, it's great to catch up with you. Likewise, Jim. Uh, have a great holiday and uh, you know be glad to uh, you know in the future uh, come back on and share some other things that I'm doing. I mean this stuff changes so quickly. I mean it's it's yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah, maybe we can have you on. Hang tight. We'll do a little bit of a post show. I've got a few okay, announcements great. to go through before we kick out of here, but uh, I will remind folks uh, on our way out that uh, December is Leave a Review Month for your favorite podcast. And so if this happens to be your favorite podcast, which it should be, uh, go out to iTunes or any to your favorite podcatcher. Give us a little rating. It's always kind of nice. I don't ask for that very often, but I decided I would make December that month. Maybe during the holiday break when you're with family and you need to get away from them for a few minutes, you... You just uh, just sneak away and then rate the podcast out there. Do it in whatever Stitcher or iTunes or you know whatever Beyond Pod or Dogcatcher, whatever you use to listen to the podcast. Uh, get out there. Maybe it's Spreaker or Mixler, or one of those two. You can do that uh, out there as well. And uh, we'd love to have you uh, get the podcast rated. Don't forget the uh, the Average Guy uh, Tech Scholarship Fund that we do. Of course, uh, you probably get tired of me saying that, but if you're new to the show. We will, if you want to test something out, uh, say you have a new technology you want to try, and uh, around 100 bucks or so, it can be a little more if it needs to be, I'll buy that for you, we'll ship it to you, you use it, rate it, review it, 
uh, come on the podcast or write a review, one of the two, and then uh, we will uh, we'll we'll let you keep it. So that's the that is the average guy tech scholarship fund uh, that is supported when you purchase things from our affiliate link. So slash amazon Or now, if you want to help out John Zadler, he's going to be my Canadian correspondent uh, in Canada, and we can't you know you can't mix Canadian American money. Something happens when you do that. I'm not quite sure, but. Uh, in Canada, it's theaverageguy.tv slash CA. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. I'll have a special New Year's edition coming out here at the end of the month. And uh, so if you haven't signed up for that, go out to theaverageguy.tv. It'll say cool newsletter or something like that over on the right-hand side. Put your email address in there. I promise I will not spam you. Just my way of communicating with you once a month. Many of you are not, what I'm finding out is many of you are not on social media. And you're not even here. I mean, I just got a note from somebody today. It's like, hey, I don't follow you on Twitter. Uh, and uh, and so I was like, well, okay, the newsletter is the best way to stay up with what's going on. If you have ideas, things you want to hear about, those kinds of things, let me know as well. Love to converse with you. You can get my email address and write me back. It's great. We uh, we do Ask the Podcast Coach every Saturday morning if you want to join me out there. But that's a lot of fun, 9.30 a.m. Central, 10.30 Eastern, out at askthepodcastcoach.com. That's just a fun one to come out if you're thinking about podcasting or you, you just want to come out and hear more of me. I don't know why you would, but if you want to... You can head out there and uh, and hear us on Saturday mornings. And if you haven't made the jump over to Cyber Frontiers, uh, Brian and I were talking about these two smart kids that just run circles. God. <laughs> God. <laughs> they are pretty amazing, right? They are. Christian turns 20 in two days. Wow. He's 20 in two days. Wow. He's 19 years old, and I think Ashton's uh, Ashton might be 20 at this point, but... Two, uh, two University of Maryland uh, College Park students that come on and just run circles around most of us. But they really try to bring it to you in a way. We had them on. Uh, we had them. Uh, they were on last week's Home Gadget Geek. So if you haven't heard that, go back to it. And uh, they talked a little bit about the gadgets and the, the stuff they use in college. But uh, if, uh, if you would want to join us for Cyber Frontiers, that's every other Monday. So maybe it's not such a commitment. You can catch us on Monday nights and head out there. And then a reminder to uh, if you're into watches or if you're into home automation, and more and more of you are doing that. We've started forums on the Geeks Network to do that. Smartware forums, all one word, smartwareforums.com or home automation forums, and I think haforums.com work for that as well. So smartware forums and homeautomationforums.com will get you there. If that's a place you want to go out and talk about your gadgets and such and, uh, and create a forums, we have a great forums community for home server stuff over at homeservershow.com, and there's a great forums community. Uh, likewise, one for Surface Geeks. So that's four different forums that maybe you fit one of those. And, of course, those will all be in the show notes if you want to take a peek and uh, join in on any of those forms. I think for smartware forms and home automation forms, we're actually looking for mods and some folks who will help us uh, kind of get those forums started. So Dave's running the show over there, and uh, if you'd like to get involved in those, we would love to get you involved. I talked a little bit two weeks ago. We talked about a Kickstarter program, and they've already shut it down. So if you were, if you jumped in on the uh, Kickstarter project for On Air in the on-air box. Uh, they let it run for about 10 or 11 days. The funding was not moving like they were hoping for. They found a new supplier. They're going to go back to the drawing board and they canceled that Kickstarter. So if you got involved in that, uh, you get your money back, however you pledge, and then they have a new Kickstarter program coming out with it. We want to thank Daniel for coming on the show a couple weeks ago. And we will follow that. It was a really cool idea for some uh, some music automation in your home, a way to get all the music without having to move music around. You could have it play from anywhere, from any device, and just about any device, 
and uh, and so that has been canceled. So I just thought I would tell you that as well. We are out here every Thursday night, just about. Christmas is next week, by the way. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, all those things during this holiday season that are appropriate from the Average Guy Network uh, for all the hosts that are on here and all the guests. Uh, Brian will represent the guests that Thank we've you. had on here. We will say uh, happy holidays too. It is uh, our privilege to come out, and it's our. It, we say thanks for listening to us. It's great that uh, a thousand or two thousand of you every week come out and hear the podcast, and we appreciate that. Interact with us if you'd like, uh, Brian. If folks had questions for you, what would be the best way? How do you like to How do you like to converse around these kinds of things? What's the best uh, way? They could reach me on Twitter at Assistive Tech, um, or if they want, I'd be glad. And if you want to put my email in the show notes, I'd be glad to okay. do that um, as well. The other part, the other thing I, I I wanted to mention too is I had the opportunity to um, work with Office Mix uh, this semester with my graduate students and. That has really been a really another fantastic tool in Microsoft's arsenal um, for doing, you know, whether it be flip learning, flip classroom, or just providing, you know, students with modules. And it worked really, I mean, it worked really well. And I think um, for those of you that are not familiar, um, uh, Office Mix is a plug-in to PowerPoint. Um, you can download for free. Um, it works with Office 2013 and Office 365, um, and it adds a variety of tools, everything from screencasting to adding quizzes to adding videos from Khan Academy, um, from YouTube, uh, and then it also does tremendous work around analytics. So when you put, if you put a quiz or questions, you can actually get back the results and see how your students are doing. But they made the publishing just so easy. That last mile is so easy that um, you know I, I think more fa I think more faculty and teachers will begin uh, to use it to push out you know you know mo you know call e-learning modules, shall we say? And since most people are pretty comfortable with PowerPoint, it makes a lot of sense. But again. And having Surface, you know, Pro 3 with the digital inking experience even adds more value to it, you know, so you can, you know, basically use PowerPoint as a kind of a whiteboard if you want, or you can use it to highlight text or circle or check things off as you're going through your slides. So it's really um, been indispensable because I, I do some high, I teach some hybrid courses and I was able to quickly create these modules and, and push them out through um, using Office Mix, which is really exciting. Well, I have to give that a try. You know, we are during the holiday season here. I'm using a Gallup kind of, I don't want to say we shut down, but it gets really right. slow the last right. two weeks of the year. So my plan is to use it. Uh, I've been talking about a learning studio, a very interactive, that's more of a podcast center, but has learning components to it. So instead mm -hmm. of a learning, you know, I'm, I'm coming at it from producing a, a producing education as opposed to, you know, creating in helping create a virtual classroom. Right. Let's just say it that right. way. And right. so I've been we, I've been kind of gathering some tools to do this. Mm -hmm. We started this project a year ago. We got Oh, we got a quarter of the way through it, a quarter of the way through the year, and then some mm -hmm. other priorities kicked in, and we just never got back to it. And some of the technology we we weren't weren't ready yet. And uh, so as I look at this office mix, this may be one I throw. We're going to yeah. do some testing in the next couple of weeks, and, and we're going to throw a bunch of stuff yeah. at the wall and see what sticks. So this might and, be and one I, I think a couple you know a couple things with office mix is you also because you know the Surface Pro is a great 
um, platform for it because it also allows you to actually you know record video as well. So you could you know call you get the talking head on the slide, and I usually do that to introduce it. But then I just go to straight audio. But it lets you do that. It also lets you. Um, export your entire package as just pure video um, as well so they will work on you know iPad devices that don't support other I guess flash technology um, but when it's delivered through a you know laptop or a desktop uh, you can make it very interactive and again with the quizzes and the videos and things like that um, it's just a it's a great you know learning platform and sometimes what I do is I mean uh, if I'm teaching my students how to use a particular piece of software I'll create a screencast um, and put it up on YouTube and then bring it back into mix and you know go through the steps of how to use it and then I'll have some follow-up questions or reflection and then all that information gets passed to me when the students submit it um, you know uh, after they view it but the analytics are just unbelievable you can see how many seconds the students stayed on slides and, and, and how they responded so it's uh, quite powerful and if you want you could export that to Excel as um, as well very cool. Well, actually, I'll cut that part out. I mean, I'm going to leave it in, but I'll cut that part out, make it a home tech tip. We'll call it a home tech tip for Office cool. Mix. Yeah, it's and, great. Uh, a, a little short version of it. And so if you're watching this on Home Tech Tips, if you got to the end of this, you can find this and other great stuff, uh, tools that are available for you over at TheAverageGuy.tv. Uh, All right, we'll end it there, and that'll, that'll make a nice little home tech tip for you. See, we multitask here. Yeah, on we the do. And oh, we get things do. Done. So... We'll end the live show with this. We'll say thanks for coming out. You can join us every Thursday night, 8 p.m. except Christmas. And I, then I got I got sidetracked by Christmas. Uh, except Christmas, although I think we'll be on Thursday night of New Year's. So I, I, I think I'm going to do it anyway. I don't have a show lined up, but I think we're going to be on. We'll get one figured out. Uh, so January 1st, we're back on. But every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. Of course, we'd love to have you join us in chat. And uh, we want to thank everybody that's out there live tonight. You could join us live, too. You just come out on Thursday nights and we'd love to have you. It's not as intimidating or as hard as you think. Just come out and join us for the live show. For Brian and myself, we'll say good night, everybody. Good night. Have a good holiday season.